This is CPX number 106, Supernatural Faith. This is the Catechism of Pope St. Pius X, CPX, page 138 to 140. Question and answer number 1 through 18. Might notice a little bit different background. This is my van. Sorry it's been a little while. I've been at a fundraiser for Christians in the Middle East, among other things, in the West and Southwest of the United States. But I did find a way to write and record on the road. I'm going to get a new microphone. You're going to hear some static today. This is my mobile mission unit, which my donors, many of you, help fund, and I'll explain that another time. God give you his peace, and nomine pati sefiti, spiritu santi, amen. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, who art present everywhere and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life, come dwell in us, cleanse us, and save us, you who are all good, amen. In nomine pati sefiti, spiritu santi, amen. And just a quick reminder, make sure to get the Roman Catechism of Trent, either on Kindle for very cheap or a hardback for a little bit more expensive because sometime this year, probably Lent or Easter season, we will begin that section or rather that book and that series. Okay, let's jump into the theological virtues and the supernatural gift of faith. We will start with the theological virtues. Number one, what is a supernatural virtue? Answer, a supernatural virtue is a quality infused by God into the soul by which the latter acquires inclination, facility, and promptness to know good and to do it towards eternal life. Number two, how many principal supernatural virtues are there? The principal supernatural virtues are seven, the three theological, and the four cardinal virtues. Number three, what are the theological virtues? Answer, the theological virtues are faith, hope, and charity. Number four, why are faith, hope, and charity called theological virtues? Answer, faith, hope, and charity are called theological virtues because they have God as their immediate and principal object and are infused by Him. Number five, how can the theological virtues have God for their immediate object? Answer, the theological virtues have God for their immediate object in this way that by faith we believe in God and believe all that He has revealed, by hope we hope to possess God, and by charity, we love God, and in Him, we love ourselves and our neighbor. Number six, when does God infuse the theological virtues into the soul? Answer, God in His goodness infuses the theological virtues into the soul when adorning us with His sanctifying grace, and hence when receiving baptism, when we were enriched with these virtues and, along with them, with the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Number seven, is it enough towards salvation to have received the theological virtues in baptism? Answer, for one who has come to the use of reason, it is not enough to have received the theological virtues in baptism. It is also necessary to make frequent acts of faith, hope, and charity. Number eight, when are we obliged to make acts of faith, hope, and charity? Answer, we are obliged to make acts of faith, hope, and charity when we come to the use of reason, often during life, and when in danger of death. On faith, what is faith? Answer, faith is a supernatural virtue which God infuses into our souls and by which, relying on the authority of God himself, we believe everything which he has revealed and which, through his church, he proposes for our belief. Number 10, how do we know the truths God has revealed? Answer, we know the truths revealed by means of the church, which is infallible, that is, by means of the Pope, the successor of St. Peter, and by means of the bishops, the successors to the apostles, who were taught by Jesus Christ himself. 
Number 11. Are we certain of the truths the church teaches us? Answer. We are most certain of the truths the church teaches because Jesus Christ pledged his word that the church should never be led into error. Number 12. By what sin is the faith lost? Answer. Faith is lost by denying or voluntarily doubting even a single article proposed for our belief. Number 13. How is lost faith recovered? Answer. Lost faith is recovered by repenting of the sin committed and by believing anew all that the church believes. Thus are the words of the Holy Pope. And today we will just look at number three and number nine. So let's repeat number three. What are the theological virtues? Answer. The theological virtues are faith, hope, and charity. Okay, now my commentary on this. You know, most Catholics 100 years ago could probably have told you the three theological virtues. Nowadays, in 2022, probably many priests out there could not name the three theological virtues. If you put it that way, if you said, what are the three theological virtues, at least I can say this for sure, most Catholics on this planet would not be able to answer that. Well, as you probably know, those three, faith, hope, and charity, they come from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. St. Paul writes, So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Or in the older translations, so now faith, hope, and charity abide these three, but the greatest of these is charity. You know, I tend to notice that so many conservative Catholics today who aren't really ready for the TLM, or so they think, they do love how evangelicals love the Bible or know the Bible. But these neocon non-trads, do they realize that traditionalists 100 years ago actually did know the Bible? Now, they may not have known chapter and verse of what I just gave you, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, but they did know the three theological virtues were faith, hope, and charity. So if you memorize one thing today, let it be that you now know the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. And the Pope wrote in number four, faith, hope, and charity are called theological virtues because they have God as their immediate and principal object and because they are infused by him. And then he also said in number five how this happens. He says, the theological virtues have God for their immediate object in this way that by faith we believe in God and believe all that he's revealed. By hope we hope to possess God. And by charity we love God and in him we love ourselves and our neighbor. And then also remember how astonishing this is that all three of these get infused into your heart and mind at baptism. How's the only way you can lose it? By martyrdom? No, those increase at martyrdom. You're invincible except through sin. In mortal sin, you normally just lose supernatural charity, but not supernatural faith. But look at what we heard number 12 today. Faith is lost by denying or voluntarily doubting even a single article proposed for our belief. So let's look at this practically. Let's say if, unfortunately, you commit a mortal sin against the Sixth Commandment, it is, of course, super bad. And remember, Our Lady of Fatima showed us that most people go to hell for sins of the flesh, sins of the Sixth Commandment. But normally, if you commit a sin against the Sixth Commandment, you still keep supernatural faith, even though you lose charity. You keep faith, lose charity. So you can be saved if you get to confession. Now, what happens, though, if you deny a single article of the faith? Well, you lose not only charity, but you also lose faith. And this is very dangerous to tamper with. Um, you know, this is why I really think it's so important to know traditional Catholicism, because it's crazy to believe that Vatican II could have changed a single iota of divine revelation. 
Notice that losing this faith, a single aspect of it, and then not repenting of it, explains why, why so few people now can recognize what's actually happening in the hierarchy. It's truly apocalyptic. It's truly unprecedented. And it, this is even crazier than the Aryan crisis right now. And this is why I beg you to hold to the classic magisterium as proposed by traditional Catholicism, what I also call apostolic Catholicism, because denying one single aspect of traditional Catholicism, especially publicly, makes you lose supernatural faith in your heart. That's a huge deal. And this is why I always say just read books written before 1950, because there's so much, I mean, there's so little to gain in modernist books, and there's so much to lose by reading them. Uh, but the good news is that even if you were a heretic like me, because I was a modernist at one point, you can repent of it. Number 13 says that lost faith is recovered by repenting of the sin committed and by believing anew all that the church believes. So you got to repent. That's not just confession. Before you go to confession, you have to repent. You actually have to be sorry for heresy or blasphemy or apostasy. And then you go to confession. And then, or rather before confession, you actually have to make public reparation, as we learned in a previous CPX. But then by believing anew all that the church believes. And remember, when he wrote this 120 years ago or 130 years ago, what he's talking about is traditional Catholicism. You have to believe anew all the old stuff, basically. And again, this is exactly what happened to me in my 30s when I woke up as a young priest from being a modernist Catholic to a traditional Catholic priest. Yeah, I was a conservative modernist <laughs> the first half of my priesthood, but I woke up to realize I was still denying the faith until I held everything proposed by the traditional magisterium on doctrine and liturgy. Now, thankfully, I wasn't an apostate or anything, but even apostasy can be repented of and forgiven in forgiveness in, in confession if you make public reparation, tell everybody you were wrong, and then go to confession. Because again, apostasy is publicly denying God. Faith can be regained by confession, but probably that person, as I said, will need to take back publicly his own apostasy for it to be a valid confession, as we talked about on a previous CPX. But for the rest of you out there not committing sins of apostasy, which is most or all of you, you still have to remember faith, hope, and charity eventually die like trees in the garden of your soul if you never water them. That's why the Pope wrote today, For one who has come to the use of reason, it is not enough to have received the theological virtues in baptism. It is also necessary to make frequent acts of faith, hope, and charity. And then he says later, We are obliged to make acts of faith, hope, and charity when we come to the use of reason. And when does he say this happen? happens? Often during our life, and especially when in danger of death. That is a great penance I've been given by priests before that I should probably start giving out as penances. Traditional acts of faith, hope, and charity. They take all of 30 seconds to pray, and if you just Google traditional act of faith, hope, and charity, you can probably find them. Okay, let's look at uh, really briefly number nine, and we'll close up with this one. Number nine just said, what is faith? The Pope answered, faith is a supernatural virtue which God infuses into our souls and by which relying on the authority of God himself, we believe everything which he has revealed and which through his church he proposes for our belief. Okay, notice that faith is not feelings, but adherence to the church's traditional teachings. You are a Catholic with supernatural faith, not if you make everybody around you feel good about their lifestyle, but if you hold to divine revelation. Now, hopefully that makes you charitable, but if we look at church history, a Christian is never a people pleaser. Well, where are we now in world history and church history? 
I'm convinced the United States is worse than the Roman Empire ever was. So I, I hesitate to say this, and I thought of how I'm going to say it or not, but I'm going to say it because I'm really convinced it's true. If you're not being persecuted for your faith by someone right now, you're probably not living it right. I'm sorry to say something so seemingly sensational, but I don't mean it in a sensational way. When you really look at Pope St. Pius X's definition of supernatural faith, and then you consider all the events in church and state right now, I really think if you're not being persecuted for your faith, you're probably not living it right. So this is where we really have to know traditional Catholicism. We really have to live the classic magisterium because there's a lot at stake and there's a lot of deceit in the world right now. So hold to apostolic Catholicism. To hold, please hold to traditional Catholicism. As I've said before, the Catholic faith can't change and Marxism can't change, but many people are deceived into believing that those two have dovetailed somehow. It just can't happen. Be one of the final ones who holds out in perseverance in these very dark days. Be a light to the world in these dark days. And please say an Our Father for me at Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis. Pachi Sefiri, Spiritus Santi, Descendit Super Vos, et Maniat Semper. Amen.